Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Brigitte Hufferle. She is an entrepreneur, a master speaker, a master trainer, a certified coach, an NLP practitioner, and a TEDx speaker. Welcome, Brigitte. I am so happy to finally have you here. You and I have been back and forth trying to get this scheduled for quite a while now, so it's lovely to actually finally have you here. How are you doing today? Brad, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. It is my pleasure and my honor. So with that being said, let's jump right in. That is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite an extensive resume. How do you find all the time to squeeze all of this in and how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? I am, if anyone knows me, I am very precise and I'm also very charismatic. So I like to plan out my day, not just the day of, but I, you know, if you would look at my calendar now, time ownership is key. And that's what I teach my clients as well. I live on my calendar. And, you know, you and I have been trying to find a time to get together. (laughs) And it is, you know, people say, oh, Brigitte, you're busy. And I say busy, busy is doing a lot of stuff, but not being really productive. I get stuff done. It's time ownership. Excellent. I love that. Now, I love asking this question of entrepreneurs. I'm very curious with you being a serial entrepreneur and wearing so many hats. What does your morning routine look like? So I, I really don't like the term serial entrepreneur and okay. I get that other people are calling themselves that. I am not one of them. I am very strategic in what I do. There is no serial anything. There might be some cereal in my morning routine, but as I'm thinking about it, actually, no, there isn't. There, there isn't. I do like to work out in the morning and then get right into, so I work out, I go on a walk with our dog, Magnus, and then I take a shower, get ready for the day. And I, most of the days I start with a coaching call with one of my clients. On Mondays, I start the Monday, the week off with a kickstart call with my entire team. Excellent. Now, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? That's just part of who I am. I noticed at a very, very young age that in my sisters and my mom, my sisters are 10 years older than I am, nine and 10 years older. So I'm the baby of the family. My sisters and my mom kind of, you know, joined energy of always saying, Brigitte, why do you have to have so much energy? Like, oh my gosh, can you just wind down at some point? Can you just, you know, slow down? That's just who I am. I love what I do. I love making a difference in the world. And that's what drives me. Like I I love coming on, you know, finding a time to coming on podcasts to share my story because I know if it'll just inspire one person, that's all I need. 
I love that you said that. And that's it, right? That's the whole point of my platform is sharing the stories of women like yourself. And if we can impact and your story resonates with at least one person, that's our job done. Of course, we would love to reach as many as we possibly can. But the point is, if we hit one person with that, that's all that matters. Because I believe that we're all here to support, lift, cheerlead, and help each other. That's why we're here on this planet. That's our mission. That's everybody's mission. The ripple effect is going to be huge. And that's what keeps me going. And, you know, I have two children. They're 17 and 21, almost 21. They keep me going. And everything that I do, everything that I've ever done, even when I was not married and I didn't have children, was to to make a, a bigger impact. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Now, you're very big into personal development. Was your journey into that world initiated as a result of some of your own personal struggles, journeys? And when did this addiction to personal development start for you? So another word I really despise is addiction (laughs) because I'm not one of those self-development addicts, Brad, and I'll tell you why. Because it it is a real thing. Self-development addiction is a real thing, right? Yeah. And those kind of people, they go from course to course, from book to book, from seminar to seminar, from online program to online program, but they never implement. And it bothers me because there's great information. So self-development for me is a big part. You know, there are people that are in business, business owners, C-level executives that are pointing fingers outwards and going, this needs to change and they need to change and that must change. But they're never pointing the fingers inward and say, the change starts with me. Yeah. So what do I need to do? What do I need to implement? So let's exchange the the word addiction with implementation. What do I need to implement that I learn about myself and that will help me create better connections with others? Now, you said that People are there pointing their finger outward at everyone else. But when you point your finger out, you've got three more pointing back at you. So there you go. <laughs> and, and you know why I say that so, so confidently, Brad? I was one of them. <laughs> I was pointing fingers like you guys yeah. are all silly. You don't know an opportunity when it comes, right? And you're right. Three fingers pointing right back at me. Exactly. I know there's a bit of a story behind your journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, how much time we got. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Brigitte Hoefele, not an English name whatsoever. And you might detect a little bit of an accent. I am originally from Germany, came to the United States in 2004 to build a Montessori school. On our own time and dime, my husband and I saved a little bit of money. We both come from the publishing world. We left our corporate jobs in Germany behind. We lived in Midtown Munich, had a little daughter. She was 16 months at the time and decided we're going to move to the United States to build a Montessori school. And this Montessori school was successful right from the get-go, not because I'm so great, but because I did a great job in putting a business plan together and really doing a good market analysis and, you know, got very involved in the Chamber of Commerce right away. And we went from Midtown Munich to a small town in Tennessee. And there were no other, you know, very good, rich schools other than the public schools out there. So I had a, you know, I did a good job, not to pound my own shoulder, but but to, you know, say we did a good job in, in market analysis. And the thing was that I could not find tr- talent that were already trained in the Montessori method. Montessori schools are very unique child education 
it's, it's a unique child education methodology. So what I did is I found really great teaching talent, and then I trained them on the Montessori method, which is another three-year diploma. And that cost me a lot of time and money right. to train them. So I did that because... I need, I wanted and needed really good, rich talent in my school to teach our children. And they came, I onboarded them, I trained them, and then they left. And that happened over and over and over. And in the beginning, I did point fingers out and go, you guys don't know when there's an opportunity, right? So you guys are all silly. Yeah, just go. And it happened so many times that I'm like, okay, so what is the common denominator here? Hmm. <laughs> Actually, it's me. Right. And that's where I really had to take a, a, a close look in the mirror. I could have continued. Right. And been still very successful. It would have been a hard uphill battle. But I, I, I was smart enough to look in the mirror and go, what am I missing here? What is it that I do not know yet? And that's when I started, you know, reading more books, taking self-development classes learning neurolinguistic programming. That's how it all started. And it made a huge difference in my life on how I changed, made me a better parent, made me a, a, a better person, made me a better wife, made me a better business leader. That's how it yeah. all started. But but, the, but see, the, the self-awareness, the self-awareness there is key, right? Because a lot of people, sometimes they don't even get to that point where they have that self-awareness to realize, wait a minute, problems me, not everyone else. So I applaud you for that. That's incredible. Yeah, it was a hard, it was a bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> but I get a story to tell now. And there that story will inspire others. Exactly. And so how have these experiences then helped shape the Brigitte you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Gosh, on so many levels. I mean, it shaped the Brigitte to to be the parent that I am today with, you know, raising children can be easy. Raising teenagers, that's the harder part. And it doesn't start when they're teenagers. It starts when they're little. And empowering other parents to, you know, set boundaries and to be the best parent that they can with every season of their child has really shaped me in, in who I am today. And I have a very open line and wonderful relationship with both of my girls. And, you know, you often hear it, you know, mothers and daughters, often not a good relationship. Yeah. I have made a conscious effort and decision to have the best relationship that I can have with my daughters. And I do. I'm not just saying that's not just lip service. You can ask both of them. They're Anna and Amelie. And my businesses are thriving. I have become a better version of me being the business leader and, you know, married for 21 years. I think that speaks for itself. And that Absolutely. takes two to tango. Yeah. And communication is the key to all relationships, especially with our personal relationships. I mean, our children, having that open line of communication, having the children know and feel and be aware that they can come to their parents with absolutely anything and not be judged for it. And it's okay. We can talk, we can discuss absolutely anything and it's okay because I am here as your parent to support you and love you no matter what. Yeah, right? I agree with you. You know, I like to say all personal problems are business problems and all business problems are personal problems. We are one. Yeah. And it will bleed over into the other area if we want it or not. And I'm absolutely. very cognizant of that.
Yeah, absolutely. What then would you say has been your biggest or most valuable lesson or takeaway from these experiences? Listening on a deeper level. So I was, although I hold two degrees, one is a social pedagogy and education science degree. And the other one is a marketing slash communications degree. <laughs> but yet I sucked at communicating like really bad. And I think we're all still learning, right? I'll yeah. never say I'm perfect. We're, perfect does not exist. No. But it helped, it allowed me to, as I'm looking in the mirror, as I'm, you know, swallowing these bitter pills, I'm realizing I can become a lot better in listening and listening to, and, and I have it here behind me, listening to relate to the other person rather than just to respond. I had this feedback not long ago from my daughter, Amelie, who's our oldest. She's going to be 21 in June and she lives in Munich where she was born. She moved back yeah. to Munich last year. And she called me and she says, I just want to tell you, mom, I always appreciated how you communicate and all the advice that you have for me. And just recently, I noticed that you're not giving me the advice like you used to give me the advice when I was you know, younger. You're now just holding the space and asking me more questions. And I really, really appreciate that because you're not trying to put your stuff on me, like how you would do it, you're allowing me to figure it out myself. So, you know, per season of our children, we grow with them. And I, I really appreciate that she brought that, that she was smart enough and open enough to bring that back to me. And I'm kind of like going, yeah, I did that. I wasn't you even did. aware of it. That speaks volumes as to who you have been as a mother, as a parent. It's incredible. And I find that a lot of parents want to push their shit onto their kids. Like things like, let's say they wanted to, something they wanted to do in their life growing up and they didn't do it. Oh, I want my kid to do this because I wasn't able to and live vicariously through our kids. No, just let them live their lives. Let them get to, I mean... Yes, of course, we have to support our children, but we also have to let them fall and make mistakes and learn from those things. Because if we keep rescuing them, pick, you know, making their decisions for it, they're never going to learn. That's right. And we raised our children with the mindset, there is no failure. There's only feedback. You're going to learn from whatever you're experiencing. You're going to learn from it. That's right. Absolutely. Agree and with that, that, everything is an open book. Everything is an opportunity. There's no obstacles. There's going to be challenges along the way. How are you going to overcome them? Of course. We still go through challenges as adults. Grow. I mean, we never get to that point. As you said, there is no such thing as perfection, but we never get to that point where it's the end of the journey. Okay. I don't need to do any more work now. I'm, I'm good. No, we are human beings. We're constantly evolving. We're always doing work. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always expanding. That's part of the journey. Yeah. So I agree what, with you. 100%. What inspired your journey into the world of coaching then? <laughs> I literally slipped into that as I was building the Montessori school, which is still around to this day. I'm out of the day-to-day -day operations completely. In the beginning, I was teaching, I was building, I was, I, I wore all the hats. I had 15 staff members. I did the staff development and I had customer facing every day in the morning and in the afternoon. And I had parents come to me and they're like, Brigida, we need to talk because clearly you have a completely different child in school than I have at home. And it's the same kid. <laughs> what are you doing in school that allows my child to thrive like that? And things are just falling apart at home. 
that's how I started looking into, okay, let me coach you. You know, let's take an evaluation of what's the routine in the morning before they come to school and the afternoon when they come home from school. What is it that you do? What can you implement what we're doing in the school? And that's how I kind of just slithered into coaching. And then I... <laughs> And, and it just and, went and from I, there. <laughs> and we just went from there. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually really good at this. What do I need to learn to actually call myself a coach? Because I think we can agree, Brad, especially over the pandemic. Now, this is what like, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008. Right. But during the pandemic, everyone and their uncle thought it was a great idea to call themselves coach. And yes. it's not the kind of coach that I am. Okay. People ask me, so are you a life coach? No, I think I come from the mindset. Life coaches don't have a life. Abundance coaches are not abundant. That's just who I am, right? I, I will take you through asking questions to where you need to go. And if you need a mentor, I can also right. be a mentor, but a mentor is not a coach. So that's right. how I got into coaching. And, and I was heavily involved in self-development. I was fast-tracked to speak on stages with Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and so forth. So kind of slithered in that too. <laughs> Things just happen. <laughs> that's they do. Just the way when, you're, when, when you're intentional and you're clear – you know, things will fall into place. Abundance flows. Absolutely. 100%. So what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you as opposed to another coach? I had the same question someone asked me yesterday and I say, it's my energy. It is. People will either be drawn to my energy and my wisdom and my expertise, or they will be pushed away. And if you're pushed away, then we were not meant to work together in the first place. I hold myself accountable to stay within the ethics and the core values of the International Coaching Federation. I served on their board for three years here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and I have married coaching with neurolinguistic programming. The center of NLP has been around since 1986. I'm a grandmaster of NLP. Okay. So I kind of merged the two together and created incredible programs that are in compliance with International Coaching Federation that are in compliance with NLP and just created something. Out of it. So I created, you know, a unicorn. Yeah. That's how I'm. What, in your opinion, then, is one of the most important skill sets or qualities in a coach? Asking quality questions and shutting up. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> That's it. That's really it. As a coach, we're not there to give advice. Yeah. That's a mentor. Right, right. What lights you up or excites you the most about the work that you do as a coach? When my clients are having... They're aha moments. Like every coaching call, I start out with, let's start with celebrations. What has been working? What is not working? And what is it that you want to get out of our session today? And then at the end, I ask, what are your takeaways? And there has not been a session where one of my clients would say, I didn't get anything out of it. I take away, this is the next step that I need to take. Or I take away, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I have been doing this fill in the blank for the longest time. And it's not serving me. That's why I'm not getting to where I want to get. Not because I told them, Brad, because they have received that insight from me asking quality questions and they're going, that's a really good question, huh? Making them think. That. Exactly. I love it. How has your coaching style evolved 
from when you first started to now? Oh boy, where do I begin? Well, from the hourly wage, if you Mm. would call that, that I first asked to a completely different system that I have today, uh, that's on the business side. It has just completely evolved over the last, I'm going to say, gosh, 16 years developing our own programs. And I've developed a a coaching program for the largest self-development company in the world And that has given me huge insights on, you know, what can I do better? Because I'm constantly, I'm not just asking my clients, you know, what has worked, what has not worked. I constantly take inventory and go, what can I do better? And which books can I read to become even better? Which courses can I take? I actually just hired a mentor coach day before yesterday for 10 hours that will help me to become even better in coaching and she has been a master coach with International Coaching Federation since 1999, I believe. She was one of wow. the first, or she is the first master certified coach. That's so, important that coaches invest in themselves too. Coaches need coaches as well. Do. Yes. It, that right? is, you know, when people say, what is the question that I need to ask a coach that I hire? I say, ask them who is their coach. It's key for sure. Because again, it goes back to the fact that we are constantly growing and learning and expanding. The learning never stops. If you stop learning, you're done. That's That's it. You stop evolving. Yeah. What are some of the most meaningful goals that your coaching has allowed clients to actualize or bring to fruition? Oh, you mean like real results? Yeah. Oh, I got a great one. I got a great story. So my client, one of my legacy clients who I have onboarded in 2013, 2013, 10 years this year, when she met me, she says, I want you to coach me. And I said, so, you know, where are you? What do you want to do? Her husband just passed away. She says, oh my gosh, I have so many things that I want to get done. Like I want to release weight. I want to go through grieving my husband who passed away. Eventually, when I'm ready, I want to have a new relationship. I want to make money with my business because so far, I'm not making any money and the hospital bills are $125,000. So I asked her, I said, how much are you making right now? She goes, I don't know, $2,000, $3,000 a month. And I said, how much do you want to make? And she goes, ultimately, I want to make $3 million. I'm like, well, that's a big jump. So (laughs) let's just, you know, slow slow down down. a bit. (laughs) I said, okay, we're taking inventory of all all, all the things that she wants. She says, oh, and I want to dance. And I think I can release my pounds by dancing. And I said, well, what's keeping you from dancing? She says, well, I have this really cool dance place that I want to take dance lessons. And I said, yes, and." She goes, it's really, 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 really expensive. And, I'm say, mm. and I say, how much really is really expensive? She goes like, you know, four, five, six thousand dollars a month. I'm like, okay. So now that you, we have set some parameters and you've created some goals for yourself, let's create some milestones along the, th- you know, up to three million. Right. And some milestones in weight. So you can make the money, so you can take the dance lessons and that you create a plan for your business and so on and so forth. Long story short, within five years, she made three million. She's released wow. the pounds. Seven years in, she found a new partner that she's loving life with. In the meantime, she set new milestones of, 
you know, her house that she has been owning for, I don't know how long she has completely redone it. She started with the kitchen and then went on to the floors, tore out the bathroom. You know, all of those things cost money. So in order to actually do that, we planned that into her forecast and into her budget and all of that. So that's one of many stories, but I that love telling that story. It's incredible. Hit the $3 million goal in five years. Holy shit. She must have been she absolutely really elated. <laughs> yeah. She just got really clear and we just and decluttered her head and she just was able to focus. It's but hard. I think it's also no. important to mention too that she was willing to and put in the fucking work. That's the key, she right? She did. Yeah. To this day. To this day. And the pandemic was not kind to her. Let me rephrase that. The first part of the pandemic was really kind to her. The second part of the pandemic was not kind to her. And she went downhill when it comes to her budget and her forecast. And I said, okay, so... What do you have to do now? So 20, we're taking inventory 2022, bad year for her, not a good right. year at all. And I said, what do you want for 2023? And we took inventory in December and she says, I'm going to increase my revenue by 30% every month in 2023. <laughs> and I kid you not on Monday, she's texting me and she says, yeah. we increased this last month in April. 45% instead of 30%. She's been keeping the 30% every month. And in our last call, I said, so are you still going for the 30%? She says, yes. But I said, yes. And she goes, I really want to make more. And I said, how much more? She goes, well, let's say 45%. And what do you know? 45%. You speak it. She's taking intentional action and she gets it done. I love it. That is beautiful. A testament to who you are as a coach. I didn't do anything. Honestly, I just asked her the questions and, and made her write down what is it that she wants so she can take intentional action. And held her accountable. And held her accountable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We celebrate hard. Like she <laughs> I love me. it. <laughs> Brigitte, you say that you live the learn, do, teach approach with your clients and students. Can you tell us a bit about that approach and how you incorporate it into your work with your clients and students? Yeah. Let's just take the client that I just told you about. She has gone through our program. So I'm coaching with her on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And she's also taken all of our courses. So with her team, she is not just, you know, coming to the course, soaking in the information and then, you know, maybe implementing it. I hold right. her accountable implementing it, but also she's modeling what she's learning. That's the, that's the teaching part. She's modeling to what she's learning to her team, to her clients. And it makes a difference in how she shows up and how that ripple effect I call it the win-win-win. You yeah. know, some people are very familiar with the ripple effect. It, for me, it's a win-win-win. It's a one win is I win. You know, you buy my product, you give me money, I win. I don't care if you need my product or not. Who cares? That's ego. Yeah. It feels gross. A yeah. win-win is you buy my product or my service, you can actually use it, you give me money, you win because you can use it, I win because you gave me money. That's a, that's a you know, very normal win. Yeah. A win-win-win is I serve you, I bring you a solution, and the solution 
does not just have an impact on you. It has an impact on your family, your community, your business. It also, on the flip side, it has an impact on me, on my business, on my family. It is a win, win, win. And that's the learn, do, teach concept. I love it. What are the three most important lessons you've learned in your career as a coach? Three, shutting up. (laughs) (laughs) There's that shutting up again. (laughs) <laughs> There's that, you know, silence is is important, and it's was that power. a difficult lesson for you to learn? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a very difficult lesson for me to learn because I grew up. My dad was a very strong man, and he always had a solution for everything. So I thought he modeled that for me, like, oh, right. I can have a solution, for, but I, I'm not the solution. Yeah. So the second one is asking powerful questions, open-ended, quality, intentional, powerful questions. And the third one was also hard for me, staying present. Presence is important. Yeah, jumping ahead because I can be like, you know, five steps ahead (laughs) and live there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all have our struggles, right? And again, it it just goes back to learning and growing and expanding. And the self-awareness to realize that you're doing it is key for sure. Yeah. I want to talk about your journey into the world of being a TEDx speaker. Now, that's a dream for a lot of people out there. Was this something that was a bucket list item for you? Yeah. And thank you for asking that. It was a bucket list item and I never put it on my mind board. So a mind board is like a vision board, right? not with just, you know, randomly cutting out pictures, but very intentional visual parts and words. And I haven't put being a TEDx speaker on my mind board, but I always carried it around in my head. And when I did our mind board, as a family, we come together in the last day of December and we all do our mind boards. Everyone does it individually. And then we do one for the family and then we do one for our businesses. And I put TEDx on there. And as I'm writing TEDx out, like with a big red marker, yeah. I'm going, I don't even know how to tackle this. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> like, what What does that even mean? Like, yeah. how? where do I start? It was such a big question mark for me. And then I took a step aside and I was kind of looking at me from the side going, what would you say if someone, you know, would have such a big question mark, what question would you ask them? So I asked myself the question, who knows? Like, who do you know in your network that knows which step to take first? And sure enough, Maya Lisa, who's in my network, who I've, you know, had many conversations with. She created the whole TEDx platform at her university where she's a professor. And I'm like, I'm just going to ask her. And when I called her, she was like, I'm glad you called me because (laughs) I'm starting a TEDx program a week after next. You want to join in? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) All you got to do is start being really clear. And then I went through her program. I got all of my questions answered. And then, you know, I got really clear. What is it that I'm presenting? What is it that I'm speaking about? And fine-tuned that. And I fine-tuned that over a good nine months. So I got, because I can, you know, go on stage and speak all day. Being on a TEDx stage, 16 minutes to the point. That's a whole other ballgame. That's a whole different story. And boy, that was a great experience. What an incredible experience. I Your talk was I, amazing. I watched it. It was incredible. Very, very powerful. So how yeah. did the opportunity then come about for you to be on the red dot and share your story? 
So once I got really clear, just like, you know, my, my client Reno or so many other, of my other clients, when we get clear, it just starts to fall into place. I developed a relationship with Carla, who spearheads TEDx Frankfurt in Germany. And she invited me to speak on the TEDx stage in Frankfurt in October of 2022. And as she decided that, she said, I make the, the last decision, but I want the entire board to hear what you have to offer. And the topic of my, my TED Talk is listen to relate, not to respond. And I came on and there were three men on the board and they're all rolling their eyes going, oh, great. It's another one of those, oh, you're not listening to me. You know, they kind of projected their stuff onto me. And I was like, this is not what this is. This is not a male, female, you're listening or not listening to me conversation. This goes much, much deeper. And the women, you know, this was all on Zoom and the women in the room, they're just all smiling, right? (laughs) (laughs) So me speaking to that skepticism immediately was key. And that's what got me, you know, that spot. And then they loved my energy so much that they said, you're going to set the energy for the entire day. We're going to have you speak first. You kicked off the whole event. And I kicked off the whole thing. Yeah. Deloitte was a sponsor. It was a big big event. And they did a great, I mean, big shout out to Carla. She did an incredible job with her team. Well, you did an incredible job with your talk too. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you. Can you share a little bit about the concept, listen to relate, not to respond? Yeah. So when we listen, we can listen on a five-star level. Most of us are just, you know, they say, people say they're listening, but what they're really doing is they're waiting right? They're they're waiting until it's their turn to spit their agenda. So when we become a five-star listener, we, you know, some people say, oh, you've got to listen actively. Oh, great. What does that even mean? Listen actively. So, okay. So now I'm leaning in and listen actively, but I'm still not sure what is it that I'm listening for. So I created the five points of that star. So the first point is the word content, which word is someone using? The tonality, in which tonality are they conversing in? The body language, what is their body language saying? From which mindset, that's the, the fourth point of the star, with which mindset are they communicating? Like what's going on internally as they're communicating? And then the fifth one is the purpose level. For what purpose are they communicating? With what outcome? And it must be a win, win, win outcome, if you ask me. I love it. That's amazing. I did a a survey in my Facebook group about listening. And I'd been speaking with someone previous to doing this, putting the poll in the group and say, I'll bet you if you walk down the street and you asked 100 people, do you think you're a good listener? 98% of them would say yes. (laughs) And that's pretty much what happened with the poll. I would, it wasn't 98%, but I would say, about 70% of them said, yes, I'm a good listener. But it's true. People mostly listen just so they can respond. They're waiting for their opportunity to speak and that's it. So what are a couple of tips or takeaways that you can share, which listeners can implement immediately for starting to become a five-star listener and actually listening, not just to respond? A, staying present with the conversation that the person is having with you. Because there is a purpose. There's probably a purpose somewhere. 
staying present, listening on a, a level of what words are they using? And maybe they're habitually using some words over and over. Pay attention to those words and weave them back in your communication as you're relating to them. Stay clear of the word understand. And I'll tell you why I say that. When I had a, a parent, I must have had the school for probably around eight years now. And then the parent calls me one night, a mother, and she has three children in my school back then. And she's sobbing. And she's telling me that her youngest child, who was 18 months, and was all three were enrolled in, in the school, was diagnosed with leukemia. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And all I could say because I wanted to calm her down and I wanted to comfort her. I yeah. said, I understand. I understand. And I said, and the, the conversation, you know, I was just there holding space for her. The conversation went on and on. And all I could say was, I understand. And she finally went completely ballistic on me and <laughs> yelled at me that I cannot understand because I have two healthy children. And she was so right, Brett. And it, it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. I'm doing yeah. more harm in this conversation than anything. Yeah, absolutely. I felt uncomfortable. So I just tried to fill the space with, I understand, I understand, I understand, I understand. But it did the exact opposite. It's the so same thing with grief, right? You have to just, you don't have to say anything. Just listen. That's all that they're looking for. And, you know, grief is a very tough animal to navigate. And so often... We don't know what to say because we're not taught how to converse with people who are dealing with grief or deal with grief in a way, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a very tough thing to deal with. So I think just being there, holding space and listening is all we need to do. That's it. Staying present. Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway from this would be there are times when you understand truly, but when you have not walked a mile in those shoes... Use the word relate rather than understand. Yeah. Or yeah. one of my coaches really pounds on this word and it's appreciate. I can appreciate the process. I can appreciate what you're saying. So there's an appreciation for that and that's it. Yeah. Because unless you've gone through that exact situation, which you can't because everyone's situation is different, you can't exactly. understand. There's no way you can. It's impossible. Correct. I love that. Thank you very much for sharing those. Those are great tips, Brigitte. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? My energy. <laughs> Not thinking no for an answer. I remember my father-in-law and we took his only grandchild. Well, now we have two, his only grandchildren. Not just to a different country, to a different continent, right? Yeah. Across the Atlantic Ocean. And when we told my husband's parents that we're going to move to the United States, my father-in-law just kind of, you know, buried his face in his hands. And he's like, what, you're going to fail. What if you're going to fail? You know, and he's talking about failure. What you said, what we talked about earlier, yeah. there's projection of someone else's experience. And all I said was, yeah, but what if we succeed? There you go. And I left it at that. That's it. It's true. Yeah. What, yeah, that's so often because we all get caught up in that failure mindset and, you know, what's going to happen if you fail, I fail, I fail. But what happens if you make it? What happens if you succeed? If you don't try, that's the only failure is if you don't try. That's it. That's the only failure there is if you don't yeah. try. Because yeah. think about the possibilities if you do succeed. You can't start off a journey 
thinking negatively, thinking that you're going to fail or talking about failure because you're speaking that out into the universe. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I have no regrets. Everything that I have done, there, there were many challenges along the way, many challenges. <laughs> Just from leaving Germany, coming to the US, that was one big hurdle. And I can sure. tell you stories of me going to the you know US consulate general in Munich and them escorting me out because I asked too many questions <laughs> and I didn't want to take no for an answer. All of those things happened. Just being Brad. Brigitte. <laughs> Just being Brigitte, right? <laughs> being outside of the U.S. Consul General sobbing and I saw a mother or I heard a mother walking by with her child and the mother says to the child, observe, don't stare. And that's all I remember hearing is I'm <laughs> sobbing because they escorted me out as I was trying to get information when the heck we can move to the United States. But I do not take no for an answer. If if it doesn't work that way, there is another way it will work. Absolutely. Period. That's it. Resilience. Don't give up. Yeah. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Serving others. When I can be a servant leader, when I can serve others, when someone else has a gain, a benefit from the work that we do, that's success. It has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with money. It's bigger than us. Oh, much bigger. Much what would bigger. you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, that's a good question. I would say letting go of being rigid. I can be very, when, when I'm in flow and I'm clear on what are the next steps, you know, what I said earlier, it's hard for me or it was hard for me in the past to stay present because I would live like five steps in the future, just slowing down and becoming less rigid, not letting go of the plan or not letting go of the, you know, knowing which intentional steps I must take, but staying more present. It has made a huge impact on my relationships in my family and with my kids and my husband, for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Huh, empowerment. You know, what empowerment means to me doesn't necessarily empower someone else because now that would mean that I'm projecting my stuff or the way that I like to be empowered onto others. So I think it's just, it's a word like success. When I can share my story, when I can share my nuggets, wisdom, whatever, then the other person that's soaking that, that information up decides, is that empowering or is it limiting them? So I, I can't put like an overarching, that's what empowerment is. Cause I think it's from person to person. It's different. Just like success. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. All right. How would you describe yourself in one word? Tenacity. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Listening. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. <laughs> What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Time. What is your favorite self-care practice? Working out. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Listening. <laughs> what never fails to make you laugh? <laughs> when someone walks into a glass door that's closed. <laughs> 
It is quite funny. I remember my wife and I and our daughters were going to the mall. We got out of the car and we're walking to the mall. Mall, walking to walk through the front door and my oldest daughter walked right into the glass <laughs> we the three of us died laughing it was fucking hilarious never fails never fails well you can't help but laugh at something like that like that you you cannot you cannot not laugh at that you can't it's it's impossible True. Unless you're There's the one actually- walking into the glass. <laughs> but then I would probably on the floor laughing about that for days. Afterwards, yes. <laughs> There's actually a term for that in German. It's called Schadenfreude. And Schadenfreude is laughing at the getting pleasure out of someone else's pain. <laughs> Oh, man, I totally forgot about that. I forgot that happened. That is so – thank you for refreshing my memory on that one. That one's good. I'll have to tease her about that next time I talk to her. (laughs) (laughs) That concludes our rapid-fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Gita, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My dad, definitely. My dad was also someone that did not take no for an answer. He would give his last shirt. He was just the most – incredible, kind, hardest leader that I learned from. And my children, they gave me a ton of lessons and I'm still learning. You know, that's, that learning will never end. They are some of our greatest teachers, our kids, for sure. Yep. For certain. What aspect of your personality do you think has been most helpful in your career? My tenacity, not taking no for an answer, for sure. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? That's a good question. Maybe that I can be relaxed without going to the beach because my husband and I just talked about that yesterday (laughs) that we haven't gone to the beach in like forever. And I am yearning to go to the beach. And yet I'm still, you know, I'm good. I'm I'm still relaxed. Yeah, I'm still pretty chill. (laughs) Okay. What challenge in your life would you say has shaped you the most? Gosh, one ch- if I would have to pick one challenge, because there were many. Definitely, you know, building the school, going through the growing pains of the school, putting in, you know, thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money into the school and going, you know, going through 2008, not knowing is my business going to survive? And I made a conscious decision. It is going to survive. So I think that has really shaped me. And then, you know, there were several other years that followed that where I was at a similar point and now we have 125 kids. So, and we're going to 250. So, you know, started out with two children. That speaks to that intention. Being intentional and being present in it. Yeah. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Can she be one of the past as well? Yep. Maria Montessori. I really look up to what she has created in her methodology. And she chose to create that methodology, the Montessori methodology, during a time where she lived in Catholic Rome and she had an only child. She was not married, which was, you know, in the 1930s. Huge no-no. Big no-no. Yeah. And she, you know, was nominated for World Peace Nobel Prize. And and 
I really look up to her. I mean, kudos to her. She was a very rigid woman. Yeah. One of my mentors that I learned from, learned from Maria Montessori and told me many stories. She was a very rigid woman. And that's where I also learned I don't want to be known for that. Okay. But I do look up to her greatly. I love yeah. all of her writings. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Slow down and listen. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm saying that, my younger self inside of me goes, but no, but I got to do it. I got to do it my way. <laughs> so I don't know if I would have taken that advice when I was younger. <laughs> a hard one. Definitely a hard lesson for sure. Lastly, Brigitte, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Hmm. You become what you think. You attract what you feel. You would generate what you articulate and you create what you imagine. So be intentional. Love it. Love it. Brigitte, thank you so very much for being here with me today. I have thoroughly enjoyed every minute of the conversation. Lots of laughs, amazing insights. You are a truly inspirational, beautiful soul. I appreciate you and I am so grateful to have had this opportunity to sit down and speak with you and share in your story and your journey. So thank you for being here. And I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowergraphy community. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all the beautiful work that you do. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on. My pleasure and my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Brigitte Horfalu. She is an entrepreneur, master speaker, master trainer, certified coach, an NLP practitioner, and a TEDx speaker. Thank you so much, Brigitte. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.